Well, good morning, everybody. This is obviously the crowd that didn't mind sleeping in a little bit this morning. Oh my goodness, it was late last night. So like normally I would go to bed. I mean, I'm just like, I don't, I don't need that anymore. Like I don't, you know, and I'm, maybe this is your thing, but why do we celebrate like our ball of rock and water going around the giant ball of fire by letting a light ball go down? First of all, it's going down. Isn't that like depressing? It's like, oh, shouldn't it be going up? Like when it hits the top, it lights up. 2023, it's like, oh, it's 2023. You know, it's just like, man, I do not understand why we do. I, I just don't get it. So I don't need that, right? I was going to go to bed. But my eight-year-old, she's like, I'm staying up till midnight. And she's eight, so you don't let her stay up to midnight by herself. And so like, oh, we'll, we'll stay up. You know, we'll do the thing. And then, you know, I watched the... Buckeyes game, which also, right, it was like the ball, you got the Buckeyes, and like, I had the TV on, it was the ball drop, because there's my wife and daughter, and I got the priorities straight, apparently. I'm like watching the game on my phone, and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's going to kick at midnight. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, how is that? And then the ball went down, and the kick went down, and it's just like, okay, let's pray. Uh, no, like, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so 2023, right? Apparently it's here, and uh, here we are. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So this morning, I think it's going to be a little bit different, because if I'm being honest, you just get to participate in the way in which my mind is kind of spiraling right now on some different things, on all the stuff that comes along with it's a new year, and all the stuff that's like new year, new you, and you know, all this kind of stuff. And this whole mindset, at least I've discovered in myself, and certainly in some conversations I've had with some of you, you know who you are, uh, that like so many people, we'll call it everybody, wants to be different, but hardly anybody wants to change. This is messing with me, all right? Because I want to be different. I want things in my life to be better. I want them to be different. I want this to happen. I want that to happen. I want six-pack abs, which I actually have. I just keep them in bubble wrap. You know, you got you to you protect the goods, you know what I'm saying? So, like, um, but like you, I, want, I want all that stuff, but I don't want to, like, do anything about it, right? Like, I don't know if that resonates with you. If it doesn't rate with you, resonate with you, like, you just get to hear me whine, I guess. But, like, it's just... This is kind of how this works in my life. And as I was thinking about all the different stuff, like, okay, I want to set some goals this year. I, I, I put together a vision board, you know, like this is kind of stuff I want to work towards. Like all that, I'm like, am I willing to actually do this stuff? A buddy of mine online this morning, he had posted something like, don't forget to set your reminder for February 1st when you need to cancel your gym me membership. He says, because you're gonna forget and then you're gonna waste all that money on the gym membership that you didn't go to and that would be a tragedy to spend that money on an unused gym membership when you could instead be buying tacos. Like, so that was like, okay, okay defeatist. Like, you know, it was just like, there is no hope with him. I'll, I'll, I'll pray for him. Um, but his name is uh, Jeff Bogue. So like, it's just, um, <laughs> it wasn't Jeff. Um, but you know what I, when I think back to this last year, when I think back to 2022, for me, it's a great year. There's a lot of awesome stuff that happened in 2022. There was, there was a lot of uh, really fun 
things I got to be a part of this year. Like, it was just fun to see, like, our, a lot of our missions trips get refired back up. That's some of the stuff I got my hand directly in. It, we actually have a team in Mazatlan, uh, Mexico, right now, which is really fun. Uh, we have uh, a, a lot of our, like, partnerships around the city have been, like, kind of, like, resurging and stuff like that. A lot of the organizations that we work with, it's so fun to see, like, these different initiatives start to, like, take flight. I've seen some people just really grab a hold of how they're helping people and taking initiative with people and how they're trying to build relationships with them so they can help them understand the hope and the wonder of Jesus. I love seeing that happen. Uh, 2022 was good personally. Uh, like, I've lost some weight this year, so that was a lot of fun to, like, see that uh, kind of come off in a, in a unique way. Um, my, my family, we're, we're, we're doing good. Like, we're, man, my wife and daughter and I, we're, like, in a sweet spot. And, like, I know that's not where everybody would be at right now. Family does ebb and flow. I think we're ebbing, if that's the good side of flow. I don't know which one's good, but uh, we're doing the good one. Okay, and so like that's it. We're in a good spot right there. Absolutely love that. And so like when I looked back at this last year, I'm like, man, like there's some really great stuff going on. And this could continue. But then like there's the honest side of me, not that that's dishonest, but like there's another side of me that if I'm willing to really get honest, some stuff that's like, not as good about this year either. Um, I sense some of my addictions like really knocking at the door. Um, I, I sense some of them shifting. So like, um, I'll get into this for like a hot second in a little bit, but like I, I'm addicted to food. Like it just is. Like I think about it in a, in a ridiculous amount of time and I'm always, I'm, I'm just always thinking about food and like, in some ways, I've, I've curbed some of that addiction, but then like, I'm like, I'm replacing some of that addiction with other things. So like, Dr. Pepper Zero is like a thing for me right now. Like, it's just like, I'm like, am I addicted to that? Or is that like, okay? Like, I can't tell. And I don't, if I am, do I want to admit it? You know, it's just like all that sort of, and it's just something simple and stupid. Like, but like, I'm, I'm an addictive personality and like, I'm, I'm sensing some other things creeping in, like these habits, this stuff, and I'm, I'm not a real big fan of that. I, I just, <laughs> I stumbled across um, an old piece of paper from 2011. It was my 2011 New Year's goals. This was ridiculous. And you know what was awesome about that is how focused I was in 2011, like how excited I was to like grab the bull by the horns and conquer 2011. You know what was sad about this piece of paper? Is how many of those are the exact same resolutions I wrote on my list this year? It's the same. Okay, either that's, either I'm consistent or I'm consistently bad at this. I don't know what, but like that was like, like wow, oh wow. You know, it was just like, man. So like that's, it's oddly discouraging in some ways. Um, in some of my life, I feel more focused than I've been like maybe ever. And in other areas of my life, I feel like completely unfocused. And I don't necessarily mean that and you can't focus on everything. I just like literally there's some stuff that's slipping. And one of those things, that here's me, I'm peeling back the curtain here, like my connectedness with God is not where it needs to be. Um, which I realize is awkward for a guy at a church on a stage with the title pastor to say out loud, but it's not where it needs to be. I'm a task-driven, oriented person, and like my spiritual disciplines as of the last couple of months have looked a lot more like check off the box than they have like connect with God. And so I'm feeling a little distant right now, and I'm like sensing that. 
showing up in other areas of my life, and I don't like that at all. Which, side bonus, by the way, if you're a person that thinks through or wants to have spiritual disciplines, like the heart behind them is way more important than the actual behavior. So for instance, maybe some of you woke up this morning, you're like, I'm gonna read my Bible this year. I'm gonna read my Bible more this year. I just wanna highlight, this is free. You don't have to pay me for this one. Um, <laughs> it's not about make sure you read your Bible. I, I, read, I read scriptures a lot but it's about connecting with the heart of God. So I, I, would, I would encourage you, don't make your new resolution, don't make your new goal to read your Bible. Make your new goal, make your resolution that I wanna slow down enough to seek the heart of God more regularly. Because um, you, can, you can do the one without the other. And, and just quickly reading through your Bible to get it done for the day is not what's helpful. Um, but slowing down to connect with our Heavenly Father is what's good. So that's some of where I'm at. Uh, who wants to go next? Um, that, that's just like some of the stuff that's like eating my lunch a little bit, and I'm like really wondering why, why is this so hard? Like why year to year do so many of our goals or so many of our hopes and dreams um, feel the same? And, I, and I, I keep coming back to like this phrase that, on January 1st, a lot of us want to be different. But are, but are we willing to change? So we're going to wrestle with that some this morning, and um, that's just kind of where we're, we're going to be. Um, th- today, I think, is going to feel a little bit unique in terms of, like, um, I don't really have, like, a, here's my introduction, and then, like, here's, here's the kind of the meat and potatoes, and then, like, here's let's land the plane, so to speak. It's just, it's gonna be kind of more of a string of thoughts that are messing with me in this whole paradigm. Um, but here's, here's something I noticed. Uh, whenever I realize these things about myself, it's an epiphany. Uh, it's, it's maybe even brilliant. Like, man, I realize I need to fix this in my life. Or, man, I realize I have a chance to work on this and get better at this or whatever. It's an epiphany. But if you tell me that I need to get better at that stuff, like, wh- <laughs> cool. <laughs> Thank you, sound effects guy. No, <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, like, it's on. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm going to get the, def- <laughs> that was incredible. <laughs> Yeah, you can't do that again. Uh, so, like, it, you get defensive, right, though? Like, for instance, if, if on, like, December 26th, that's definitely not at Christmas, but at December, I should lose some weight this year. You're like, and then you come up with a number, you're like, I should lose, like, you know, 15 pounds this year or whatever. And then, like, you're like, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to do that. That's, that's what I'm going to do. And if someone walked up to you and says, you know, you should really consider losing 15 pounds this year. What did you say to me? How the audacity that you would tell me what I know. <laughs> the, I mean, we're, we're, we get so defensive whenever it comes to someone else pressing into our life. Whenever the parent, like, it's like, mom, I know. Leave me alone. I know. Back off, right? Whenever, whenever the boss is like, hey, we need to, like, step up your productivity a little bit here. We need to make sure this year 
we're getting better at these things, our efficiency needs to go up. Whenever the pastor on stage like challenges you, you're like, whoa, 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 why is this guy so judgmental? Doesn't he know? This is 2023. Like we can't be living, you can't possibly. Like we get so defensive when someone else pushes into our life. What's that all about? Why do we have that mindset that we don't wanna hear other people say the things to us that if we're being honest, we already know about ourselves? I think one of the reasons is because we love the word love. We, we love us some love, and both in the church, sometimes this is a good thing, and then definitely in our culture, we'll say things like, well, that's not a very loving way to interact with somebody, or you need to love somebody. And what we often mean by that is like, I need to help that person feel better about themselves. So I want to love them. I want them to feel accepted. I want them, and like there's nuances of that that are like, well, isn't that a good thing? But here, here's the point of clarity I want to make, I think, before we move on. Love is not about making someone feel good. Love is about helping and moving someone towards being whole. And so if we think of it like something extreme, right, like a severe drug addiction or something like that, like we would not look at that person, we don't love them by saying, let me help you continue to feel good in your addiction. That's not loving. Being loving is helping them take steps to move towards wholeness. How do we help this person overcome that battle, overcome their internal demons? How do we help them overcome that and move towards life, move towards wellness, move towards wholeness? How do we help that happen? That's what's loving. But then we like start taking down the extreme notches and all of a sudden it's like, hey, can I help you with this? Or maybe we could work on this. And we're like, guys, why are you pushing into my life? Like, that doesn't feel good, that doesn't feel loving, and I'm not sure that the feeling is what we're looking for all the time. And so here's what I hope for us this morning. I actually hope that we, we would just simply be willing to be open to being challenged. Would we be open to maybe we need to hear something. I do. I, I need people to press into my life. And if our humanity, if our, if our human experience is similar at all, I think we all do. And so when we be open to being challenged as we look ahead, I, I, I'm confident that the life that Christ is calling us to is always better is always more satisfying, is always more whole and complete than anything we come up with on our own. And if we can't come up with it on our own, then we need help. We need people to call us to that life. So if we start dreaming about a life where we can see clearly what is helpful and what isn't, if we could dream about a life where stress did not overpower us as much as it currently does, if we could dream about a life where we could actually be open and honest and share the depths of ourselves with someone and still feel safe in that moment, if we could dream of relationships, friendships like that, if we, if we could 
dream of a life where our successes had much more to do with our closest relationships instead of just our aspirations. If we could dream of a life where the imperfections in our life were greatly overshadowed by the way in which we actually loved people, if the hope in our life was so big that we couldn't help but spread hope to other people, if we could begin to dream about a life like that that God calls us to, would we be willing, would we be open to being challenged to seeing some things in our life change so that maybe some things in our life could be different? So let's go here for a moment. I want to ask the question, not simply what needs to be different. Some of us are good at, well, this is, this is what I want to be different. I want, to, I want to weigh less, I want to look different, I want to earn more money, I want my relationships to be better, I want my mom and I to get along, I want my kids to listen, I want my school to go well, I want to be more disciplined in my studies. We all know what that looks like. Can we ask the question, what needs to be changed? Because this is where it hurts. This is where it hurts. For instance, I mentioned I had, I've lost some weight this year, or, or I guess last year. Um, I wasn't overweight because I'm big boned. And I wasn't overweight because I used to play football. I was overweight because I regularly ate 1,400 calories for breakfast, and I regularly ate 1,200 plus for lunch, and I regularly ate over 800 more calories for dinner, and I would also sprinkle in desserts and snacks throughout the day and suck on sweet tea. Well, Joe, you pulled it off well. Well, Joe, you've always been like that. Well, you know, you played college football. Not, not what do I want to be different. I didn't want to be 335 pounds. I would like to be smaller. I want to be different. What needs to change? What needs to change? Am I willing to admit that literally my habits were creating a scenario and a reality that were not good for me. And that applies to anything. What needs to change? So I wanna look at Romans chapter 12 with you for a moment. We're gonna walk through a few different passages this morning. Uh, Romans chapter 12 is probably one of my favorite chapters in all the scripture. Um, but we're gonna start in verse three, and it says this, don't think you are better than you really are. Pause. I need that tattooed backwards on my forehead so every time I look in the mirror, I don't think of myself better than I really am. Why, why, why does your opinion matter so much? I mean, you ever think about that? Like when you, inter when you see people do stuff, the way they drive, the way they interact, the way they do stuff in the grocery store, the way that they did or didn't do something when they showed up at your wedding, when they showed up at your birthday party, the way that they didn't show up at the holiday gathering, the way that they buy gifts, the way that they do that, you're like, why would you do that? I can't believe that they would do that. And suddenly we elevate ourselves. You don't do things the way that I do? How dare you? How could you? Why would you do that? I just read this interaction online a couple weeks ago where people were arguing. And I don't mean like ha 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 banter. I mean like arguing about grocery cart etiquette. <laughs> no, like calling each other terrible things. How dare you? 
And then a verse like this says, don't think you're better than you really are. Let's put that in check a little bit. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we belong to each other. Not only do we need to not self-elevate, but we need to realize the relational nature of who we are. I'm not just me. I have a family. And what I do and how I interact impacts my family and my extended family and my church family and my community and my workplace and my greater society. Like I'm one piece to the puzzle. Some of us think we're like the best thing to ever happen to our zip code. And within about two years after you pass away, hardly anyone will even remember your name in that zip code. Because we're one of many. I'm not trying to be bleak. I'm just trying to say don't think of yourself as better than you really are. That happens for all of us, by the way. My wife and I, Mandy, we were recently watching Harry and Meghan, uh, Netflix thing. Don't judge me. Uh, So like, (laughs) but some questions were popping up. Like, well, who, who was the queen's mom? I'm like, I don't know. And then, like, maybe for a minute, like, the queen mother. Like, but what, who was that? Like, I don't know. And then you're like, well, who was before? And you're like, I don't know. And like, we're talking about, like, the, one of the most modern-day, most impactful society. I mean, we're, we're literally the country that broke away from the Brits, and we're still watching documentaries and binge-watching about people that aren't even in the family anymore. Like, it's just like, why do we, they are one of the most influential families of all time. Who, who was before? I don't know. So it's not, I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying we are communal. So if we're overemphasizing our individuality, we're missing the point to begin with. We're a part of a body. Don't think about yourself as better than you are. Where do we fit in all of this? Now, this is important because we start to look in all the wrong places if we're thinking about ourselves individually. We really start to lock into things like, well, just trust your heart, trust yourself, trust those things. Like, well, what do I trust if I don't trust those things? Not your heart. Do you know how many times what we want is the wrong thing? Most of you in this room are older than middle school age. Some of you maybe, maybe, maybe married, hitched your wagon to the person you were dating in middle school. The rest of us are like, thank God I'm not married to the person that I was infatuated with when I was in seventh grade. Thank God, right? If I would have gotten what my heart wanted, my life, holy moly, the amount of times that I prayed for frivolous things, the things that I deeply wanted, that I'm looking back, I'm like, I am so glad that didn't happen that way. Just because we want something doesn't mean it's what's good or best. So how, what do we lean into? If we're trusting ourselves too much, we're gonna find ourselves saying things that are completely detrimental. For instance, here's a couple of things that I I think we're very tempted to believe when it comes to how we're adjusting our life and our priority and what we're running after. And the first one is this. We are tempted to believe that we just need to forgive ourselves. We just need to forgive ourselves. I I actually hear people say this all the time. All the time. 
you know, oh, yeah, 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 I know that you and that person, you're going through a rough patch, but you just need to forgive yourself and move on. Folks, that is not how forgiveness works. I, I, I took my daughter and my niece and nephew out to hibachi the other night, okay, which an eight-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a five-year-old at hibachi, they should have paid me. Uh, it was just like, but here we are at hibachi. They're, they're having the time of their life, and they're scared out of their minds all at the same time. They're like, fire? Why are we doing the fire? You know, like, I mean, it's just, it was fun. It's like playful torture. Uh, but it was just like, but you know, at, at the time comes, after you pack up all your, because t- you're always going to have leftovers at hibachi, like you pack up all your boxes, you got your bag tied, you're ready to go, and then the bill comes, right? And when your bill comes, here's what you can't do. You're like, oh, you know what? I, I forgot my wallet. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Can you believe I forgot my wallet? But you know what? Don't worry. I blundered, but I forgive myself. Uh, sir? <laughs> Here's your bill. No, 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 you don't understand. I forgot my wallet. So, <laughs> you know, no harm, no foul. I forgive myself. Sir, if you don't mind staying right now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get my manager and we're gonna have a conversation. Like, you can't forgive yourself when other people are involved. There was a debt to be paid, and I can't be like, oh, you know what, I just, I can't pay the debt, it's fine. It doesn't work that way. Now flip it around. Got the bag all tied up. Like, man, where's the server? I flagged the server, um, where, where's the bill? Actually, sir, this nice family over here, they, they paid for your meal. Well, that's nice and all, but I, I still, I want to pay for it. Sir, the, the debt has been covered. Like, the bill is paid. Well, no, 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 just let me pay for it. Sir, there's nothing to pay for. Someone bridged the gap. Someone met the need. Someone forgave your debt. You have been forgiven. It was actually covered. You see, relationally, when we're talking about how we live life, we're too often willing to step into this mindset. It's tempting. It sounds wonderful where you just need to forgive yourself. You know what? You biffed it with mom over the holiday season, but just forgive yourself. No one's perfect. You, you, you biffed it again this morning when you were yelling at the person in your house, but you know what? It's stressful. The holidays just happened. Just forgive yourself. We step into these scenarios where we're tempted to just say, you know what? I know this is all relational, but I forgive myself, and that does not work. So if we're look, if one of the things that we wish was different, that we want to see change is our relationships, we cannot take this mindset. Did we seek forgiveness? If you blew it with mom this Christmas, you can't forgive yourself. You need to go talk to mom, apologize, and seek forgiveness. I don't want to do that. That's hard. Well, then things aren't going to be different. You're like, but you don't understand. This person, they just, the way that they talk, the way that they, if, if, if you've done something to exacerbate, to make worse that relationship, and you're not willing to go seek forgiveness, then it's going to be stuck. You can't forgive yourself on behalf of another person. So we really have to wrestle with how we see ourselves relating to the rest of the world. Now, here's another thing that we're tempted to believe I am who God made me to be. Now let's talk about this for a quick second. You're like, Joe, that, that actually sounds good. That sounds like the truth. Well, if we're going down the rabbit hole of 
Like God made you to have the passions and the strengths and the things that you're good at and the gifts that you have and the way that you're wired and you're an introvert or you're an extrovert and all those kind of things. And here's how I'm uniquely designed to interact with people like 100% all day long. Let's create a sermon series on how that's true. But here's what I'm talking about. Well, you know, I'm just an opinionated person, so they're going to hear what I have to say. That's how I'm wired. That's how God made me. Um, I, you know, that's, I just, ha- I have a hot temper. I've always had a hot temper. People know that about me, and if they can't put up with it, then that's, the- that's on them. Well, you know, I just have a higher sex drive than most people, and so if they can't put up with that, we're going to have to figure something out, because this is how this is rolling. I can't possibly be asked to not say that because this is how God made me and I'm telling you right now that is a lie. Do you think we're not accountable for our actions just because you can rest in your tendencies? I mean, like if I'm a hothead, am I allowed to run people off the road? Like where does that stop? Well, God made me that way. I'm a better driver. I know how the roads work. They're an idiot. And so I ran them off the road. That's how God made me deal with it. They got insurance. I mean, like, How ridiculous does that sound? It's like, exactly. Take that into your family. Well, that's just the way it is with me and my brother. That's just the way it is with me and my dad. That's just the way our marriage works. God made us this way. What are we doing? These words sound good, which is maybe why we're prone to try to rest in them, but is is that what we're talking about? Do you think God created you with those things so that you could steamroll people in those areas of your life? Do you think you have a a temper so that you can blow up at your loved ones? That's why God created you that way? God created, I mean, the moment we take this even a layer deeper, we're like, wow, that doesn't make any sense. Here's why I know this. I'm prone to, to think that. I'm prone to think this way. God is calling us into something different. The ebbs and the flows of how we're designed, the identity that he's given us were so that we could know him, so that we could follow him, so that we could be filled with his spirit, so that he could define us, so that he could use us then to love and help and bring wholeness to other people. That's why you're created the way that you are. So if we're resting in this idea that this, this is who I am, well, I would, I would beg us to be open to think that maybe we're thinking about ourselves more highly than we ought to. Now listen, you, you are important. God loves you. He has died on the cross for you. He resurrected to offer you life. He knows who you are. You are very important. You are very valuable. But so is the person sitting right next to you. And so is your mom. It's really hard to work with. Very important to God. So is your jerk boss. So is that really troublesome part. Like, you don't stand alone on a pedestal above everybody else. Let's not think about ourselves as better than we actually are. 
but we are one body. Now, as we think about the different ways in which we want to be different, and then we challenge ourselves with the changes we need to make, I think that one of the things we need to wrestle with is how we view those things in our life that we know are imperfect, our flaws, our mistakes, the evil side of us, whatever intensity there is. And I'm curious, I wanna posit that what if we worried less about others accepting our faults? I just wish that you would love me for who I am, I just wish that you would understand that's how I'm wired, and what if we instead focused more on acknowledging our flaws so that we could be made into something new. The old adage of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If you don't acknowledge the fact that it's broke, you're not going to take it in to get fixed. If the engine light is glaring in your life and you refuse to take it into the shop, then it's never going to get better. So what if we just tried to stop saying like, well, just, that's just how this model of car works, the engine light blinks. What if we stop trying to get other people to accept those pieces of us and instead we're like, you know what? Maybe this is an area of my life that God wants to press into. Maybe this is something that God wants to restore to wholeness. Now, I wanna walk you through a passage where Jesus kinda turns this, this, these natural tendencies in me and in us upside down. In Luke 14, Jesus, when he noticed that all who had come to this dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. When you're invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited? Can you imagine, many of you, most of you have been to a wedding. Uh, I won't make them feel weird, but I actually did a wedding this week and they're sitting in the room right now, which is super fun. So congratulations. Again, I'm not singing them out right now because then they'll all look at you and go, oh, okay. But uh, it was fantastic. I loved it. Can you imagine, can you imagine going to a wedding? Most of you, maybe all of you have been to a wedding and you know there's like the seating charts and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just walk in, you're like, that table looks good. It's like long. It's weird how the chairs are only on one side. But man, is it decorated nicely and it, it looks like they're getting a little bit more attention than everybody else, and so you just decide to go sit at one of those seats. I mean, can you imagine how awkward it's going to be when someone's like, um, you, you can't sit there. <laughs> what do you mean? You, you can't, and then you make a, it's weird, right? And that's what, exactly what Jesus says. He's like, well, the host is gonna come and say, give this person your seat, and then you're gonna be embarrassed, and you're gonna have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Jesus is turning this upside down. So he says, instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table, and then when your host sees you, he'll come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. And then you'll be honored in front of all the other guests, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is a different, this is a unique application that you might think out of this passage, but I think that this mindset can very much apply to what we prioritize and what we're trying to run our lives toward. 
If we, January 1st, are sitting down, this is what I want my life to look like, this is what I want my year to look like, these are all the things I want. I got my vision board all together, I want that new Jeep, I wanna make sure that I get this vacation, I wanna earn more money here, I wanna make this happen, blah, 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 you got all that figured out. And then all of a sudden, on a random Sunday morning or a week from now or in your quiet time when you're not just reading your Bible but you're actually seeking the heart of God, right? When you're actually, you're, you're just suddenly in, the, in a moment with God, you're like, I think that he wants me to do this. I don't, but my heart was set on that. I want a Jeep. What do you mean God wants me to be more generous? How am I supposed to get that and do this at the same time? I don't understand it, but that's where my heart is set, so that's where I'm going. I'm gonna go do that. What if our mindsets, our priorities, our goals were the guests at this wedding? Where do we seat our goals? Do you see what you want at the head of the table? Like this is what I want. Do you put that at the forefront? This is what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, God has to press in and say, actually, I was hoping, I was thinking, we're gonna do something different. You're like, nuh-uh, I can't do that. I can't accept that challenge. I can't do that with my life. I can't possibly step into that discipline. I couldn't possibly love that person that way. I couldn't possibly serve, give my time, do that with my, are you kidding me? I got, I got goals, Jesus. And now we're offsetting ourselves from the host of your life's party because you've put all of your goals and all of your priorities at the head. What if instead we asked the host, where should these sit? God, I've been wanting a little bit more of this in my life. Is this something I should be giving my attention to? Do you have any interest in my life of, I've been wanting a promotion for years. Do you want me to have a promotion? Or am I in a place right now where actually this is gonna, this is kind of working out for me and it keeps me free to do these other things? Like maybe God wants you to stay right there. Did you ask him? Or did you just build your goals and put them at the head of the table? Are we willing to put our priorities, our goals, our initiatives at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, what do you want? Jesus, what do you want? Jesus sets this stuff on its axis and he turns it around. Listen, Jesus could have been anything and everything he wanted to be on this earth. He could have overturned the Roman Empire. He'd have been the most amazing and successful businessman we've ever seen. He could have been, he could have lived in the lavishness of being one of the key leaders of the community. He could have had a comfortable life. He could have started a family. Can you imagine how good of a husband and a dad and a grandfather and great Jesus would have been? Like, holy smokes. Like, he could have been the best at all of those. But he didn't just run after whatever he wanted. He said, Lord God, my heavenly Father, what is your will? What do you want? He put any of those types of aspirations at the foot of the table and asked the host, what do you want? What if we flipped our script on what we wanted to see different in our life and instead of saying, this is what I want and this is what I'm going after, and what if instead we said, Jesus, what do you want my year to look like? What do you want me to prioritize? What do you want me to actually run after? Now he continues in this passage 
with a little bit of a challenge. He says, now, he turned to the host. Now, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't, don't invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, your rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. What... What does God want you to do with your relationships? You ever feel oddly alone? Like you got friends, you got family, and then all of a sudden you're like, you know, I don't don't really have plans for New Year's. And you don't even know who to call. I mean, I, I mean, I got, I could, I don't know. Well, they're probably, and then you just talk yourself out of it because you're like, I don't know. I don't know if I have those. What if, what if God wants you to shift who you pour your life into? What if your friend circle is actually not the priority for God? Maybe it's a different friend circle. What if, what if that extended cousin that you just like to get together with and have a lot of fun with, like, there's nothing wrong with that relationship. It's one of the gifts that God has given you, but what if that wasn't supposed to be the emphasis? What if God wanted you to reach out to someone that you wouldn't have thought of? What if you're the person that's supposed to extend the hand of hospitality to the annoying coworker? What if God wants you to be the one that reaches out to that estranged family member and actually helps them start to feel like a part of the family again? What if, what if you're the one that God wants to use to help someone feel like they actually have value and worth on this planet? But we're too busy putting our own ideas and our own best lives at the head of the table and doing whatever we want that we don't even ask God, who should we be inviting to our table? What if when we have those dreams of what we want to be different and we want to have a life of impact and we want to have a life where we make a difference and we want to have a life where we can help people, we want to have a life where we're the ones in the seat of being able to help others, but we never ask God what should change. What relationships am I supposed to be emphasizing and how? Because if we won't ask this question, how do we expect that outcome? God leads us to things on purpose because he sees the whole picture. Now, I have a crazy proposition for you. Because as we wrestle through and think through all of this, and what I want to make sure that you understand is this is where my mind has been swirling for like two months now. Maybe longer. How do we get out of the stuckness? The resolution that's the same every year, the goal that we just can't seem to get a hold of, the discipline that keeps escaping us, the thing that we know is unhealthy for us but we keep running to, the, the rhythms with God that we refuse to actually upend. The, the, how, how do we do that? And how do we realize that maybe God wants to do something new inside of us? 
Maybe this passage is one that you just need to like write on the mirror of your bathroom or something like that and dig into it all day but, or all week. But 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, anyone that has said, I choose to follow Jesus, I give my life to you, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. This is why I'm nervous about Dr. Pepper Zero. Because old Joe gives in to all of his food addictions. And so is my regular consumption of Dr. Pepper Zero, and this is awkward because I just bought three 12 packs because they were on sale at Acme. <laughs> does, does new Joe say, well, that's not nearly the same habits that you were giving into, so it's not that big a deal? Or does new Joe, is he willing to open his eyes and say, actually, this is the same mindset that will take you down the slippery slope of the same giving into all of your addictions that you've had for years? Am I willing to live a new life? Or am I just trying to adjust the old one? There's three things that have been messing with me as I figure out how do I have a mindset of being a new creation? And so the first one is this. We need, we need this mindset of discovery and here's what I mean by this. Whenever we have that feeling that like something needs to change, it's that off feeling. And sometimes it's even that defensive feeling. Like I don't want to change that. I don't want to give up my Dr. Pepper. I don't want to give up my, I'm right in this relationship. I don't want to change. They're wrong. But yeah, we feel like in our hearts are like, but I kind of feel like maybe I should do something. But I don't want, like whenever that like wrestling is inside of us, what if, what if? And instead of feeling like whatever's causing it is trying to condemn us, maybe it's the guy speaking on the stage, maybe it's your parent, maybe it's someone in your household, maybe whoever it is, what if instead of taking it as like, I can't believe they would condemn me like that, what if we saw it as an opportunity to discover a pathway out? What if we saw that when God shows us the trauma in our life, whether it's caused by us or other people, what if when God showed us our pain and the source of it, what if when God showed us the endless cycle that we can't seem to get out of, what if when he showed us that, we didn't look to him and go, God, you're so judgmental. You have so many rules. There's so many things you want. I can't handle that, and I'm imperfect, and you forgave me, so it's fine. What if, we, what if we stopped looking at it as God is condemning, but instead realize that God is actually loving us and offering us a pathway out of being stuck in that very thing? That instead of looking at you and you got your ankle stuck between two rocks, he doesn't look at you and go, moron, you got your ankle stuck in the rocks. Instead he says, well, let me, let me help you. I see that your ankle is stuck in the rocks. How can I help you get that out so that we can actually walk this pathway together? What if instead 
of seeing these opportunities as people are just judging me, people are condemning me, and instead we realize that we can discover a pathway forward if we're willing to acknowledge where we're actually at. The second thing, and this one's hard, is we need to be vulnerable. I'm tired of playing it off like I have it all together. I have an addictive personality. I'm addicted to food. I'm addicted to my phone. I can't put it down. I've had on my New Year's resolutions for four years to not put my phone in the bedroom so I'll just go to sleep when I go to bed. It's been on that list for four years. You know what still charges on my nightstand? I have an addictive personality. I want you to call me out if you saw me walking out of Chick-fil-A with two number ones and just Like I, I want you, someone actually just did this to me two weeks ago. They saw me walking out of Chick-fil-A and they, they were loving and playful about it. Like Joe, I didn't know you did this anymore. Perfect way to say that, thank you. And I said, you know what? I'm actually super glad you said that. And I said, now again, this is probably my addictive personality playing itself out in my mind, in my heart, but I have this thing, it scratches the itch of when I wanna go do fast food, I go get either an unsweet tea or sometimes ironically a Diet Dr. Pepper and I get a piece of chicken, most of the time grilled, and that's all I get. And it scratches the itch. Now I'm not saying that's the solution because I'm still talking about I'm addicted to, fa- I'm addicted to spending five to $10 on anything. Like, I just loved it, because it's not, you know, it's just five bucks. It's like you go to the gas station. You need gas, it's already expensive. I should just walk in and see if there's any junk I want for $3. Like, every time, some of you are like, that's ridiculous. Others are like, I know <laughs> that feeling. <laughs> so I, I don't know if I know and or maybe I, I, is the Dr. Pepper and the sweet tea, or the unsweet tea and the chicken that's probably me scratching at my addictions again. We gotta be vulnerable. If I want to be different, I have to be willing to change. If I don't want to be addicted to my phone, I have to be willing to change. If you don't want to be addicted to eating, to drinking, to the drugs, to the porn, to the acting that way with that family member, to acting that way at work, then you have to be willing to change. And if you're not willing to be vulnerable, how do you know what you need to change? The third one is surrender. What would happen if we gave it over? I mean, if you, <laughs> I keep using Chick-fil-A as the example. It's terrible. But what, what would happen if I stopped going? I mean, let's just play that out. Save money. Stop drinking Diet Dr. Pepper. Eat a little, I don't eat this as much now, but eat a little less fried chicken. Probably break some type of a habit. and crumble into despair? No. And wonder why I'm on this planet? No, I mean like, the only thing
things that would change are good. Why do I hold, what if I was willing to surrender that? What would happen? What if you were willing to give up that thing that's in your heart, in your mind right now? The Lord's working in all of us, my guess is right now. What would happen if you surrendered that? What would happen if you allowed people to lovingly press in? I want the instigation. I want to be different. So I want you to help me to change. And I don't mean being annoying about it. I don't mean, I want, I'm not sending you my meal plans. Maybe one of you. But if you see me doing that, I want you to love me. I want you to help me be whole. Are we willing to surrender? Guys, this, if this is like messing with you on a massive scale right now of like how on earth am I supposed to do this? This is the essence of why Jesus came. And I am uh, nervous that sometimes we undercut the purpose of Jesus in our lives by oversimplifying it. Here's what I mean. A lot of times we lean into Jesus' grace and Jesus' forgiveness as if it's a free blank check to do whatever we want. Even Paul says in the scripture, should, should sin go nuts so that grace can abound? By no means. But sometimes we're like, well, Jesus forgives me, so it doesn't matter if I do this or don't do this or whatever. But what if Jesus didn't just come to quote unquote forgive you? For instance, why, what if firefighters don't run into burning houses so that they can die in the fire? What if they run into burning houses so they can save the people in the fire? What if Jesus didn't just come to this earth to die on the cross and forgive us of our sins? What if Jesus did both of those things? What if Jesus came so that he could make us whole? A lot of us, we hear the the church word salvation and we equate it to Jesus forgives me for whatever I do wrong. Salvation means healing, restoration, reconciliation, wholeness. Let me rescue you from the pain of life. And I don't mean the fact that you won't go through pain. I mean like that detrimental cycle. It's got you stuck. The trauma, the, all the issues. Let me bring you into wholeness. Let me bring you into life. Jesus willingly died on the cross to forgive our sins so that we would come to him to be whole. And when we can rest in the fact that that's why Jesus came, that Jesus came to make us whole, to make us something new, now we're on the pathway of seeing something different. Now we're on the pathway of being changed and being renewed. I saw this thing uh, just like a week ago where someone was talking about a rabbit and an eagle. And the... 
if you transform a rabbit into an eagle, if you make that adjustment, if you're now an eagle, you can hop around all you want, but you're not a rabbit anymore. God changes us from old to new. He's not asking you to be a rabbit that learns how to fly. He's looking at eagles. He's looking at his sons and his daughters and he's saying you no longer have to hop. Come here. Guys, as we look at 2023, I want us to realize that if we're following Jesus, you no longer have to hop. We have an opportunity to lay what we want at the foot of Jesus and say, what do you want to prioritize? What do you want to honor? How do you want to change me? How can you make me different? How can you help me to start experiencing the life and the wholeness that I was called to? That's my dream. It's my deep prayer for my life this year. And I, I, hope, I hope you'll join me on it. The band's gonna come out and give us some space and um, maybe you just need to take some time to like write some things down. Maybe it's some things that you're like, God's offering me a chance to discover a pathway out of this. Maybe here's some places I need to tell someone and be more vulnerable about this in my life. Or maybe here's some things I need to just straight up surrender. Father, thank you for calling us. Um, thank you for not just leaving us in our stuck places, but instead offering us a pathway to life. God, thank you um, that we don't just have to try harder give ourselves to you, you make us something new. So even as we sit here in this moment, even as we go about our afternoons, even as we hit our weeks, help us to see, to remember, to always be thinking about the fact that you're calling us to life, not just to adjust what we've always been doing. God, meet us in this moment and lead us through the change that we need most.